0: Hello everybody, this is Rare On Air, and if you were eavesdropping in our office, this is what you'd hear. Hello everyone, welcome to the new year. I'm Jack Hunter, editor here at Rare Politics with my good friend Matt Purple, deputy editor. It is a new year. We hope everybody got through the holidays unscathed. Uh, New year, new president, uh, new issues, new Congress, all sorts of new things. We had an op-ed here recently, uh, this week actually, from Senator Rand Paul a rare exclusive if you go to the website you'll find it and he's basically saying not only should we repeal Obamacare in its entirety, but we need to replace it. Now, I think that's a good point. A lot of conservatives and even libertarians will hear that, Matt, and say, well, why, why are you interfering with with this? What, why, what do you, why do you want to replace it? We shouldn't replace it. I think he's making a very good point, the senator is, that the reason we got to Obamacare, forget about the fact that Obama and the Democrats sort of muscled this through the way it came about, but our health care system is screwed up. There's a lot of problems, and people wanted something different. We got Obamacare, and it's actually made the problems worse in many respects. Uh, If you get rid of Obamacare, the people who got rid of it, if there's still problems, they're going to be blamed for it. That's going to be Donald Trump, that's going to be Republican Congress. I think the senator is right to say we should look at the free market, not government intervention, but different solutions that replace Obamacare that fixes problems that were there prior. Do you think he's
1: off on that? Well, I think before Obamacare was passed, keep in mind this is before, about one out of every two health care dollars spent in the United States either was spent by or went through the federal government, um, which tells you, I mean, if you have an inefficient health care system, if you have a costly health care system, and you already have that much government involvement, why would you then want to double down? Why would you then want right. to make it an even more intrusive presence? So yeah, I, I definitely think the senator has a point. My question is, what can you actually get implemented? What can get done with Donald Trump sitting in the Oval Office? Because he's very impressionable. He doesn't know a lot about public policy. He's coming in really green behind the ears sat down with President Obama President Obama told him if you're gonna repeal Obamacare at least keep the people with pre-existing conditions get to keep their insurance and the provision that, and I utterly loathe this term, 25-year-old children get to stay on their parents' plans. <laughs> Trump comes out of the meeting swaggering, saying, I, I like those pla- those two provisions. I think they're good. We're going to try to keep those. Problem is, those two provisions are responsible for the lion's share of the new spending that came within the health care law. Funding people with pre-existing conditions is very expensive. Right. So this is where Republicans are reeling in a pickle. What are they going to do? First of all, are they going to be able to get a more full repeal of obamacare around the democrats in the senate they can only use the reconciliation process and then around trump too and then what do you do if you pull the rug out from under people who have pre-existing conditions and are covered how do you make sure that they have another alternative that's what Rand paul is i think alluding to there you got to have something to replace it what's that going to be
0: exactly and the fact if my understanding is You know, everybody, at least on the the right side of the aisle, wants to get rid of this thing, Obamacare, but nobody has an exit strategy or an after plan or whatever you want to call it. They have no plans after. Um, And I think that's what he's sort of getting at. And what you just discussed, Matt, there's many different problems we're going to have to look at that go beyond fitting on a bumper sticker, repeal Obamacare, um, which we all want to do. We know it's bad. We know it's destructive. We know it's very unpopular out there. you've you've got to do something more than that. Which brings us to, you know, sort of the overall theme of what we're talking about here today. It's a new president, it's a new set of issues, it's a new year, obviously. But we don't know what President Trump, when he becomes president here in a few short weeks, is going to do with an issue like Obamacare. We don't know what he's going to do on basically anything. You know, I see these different columnists, these opinion writers, in the same line of business that you you and I, I can't speak today, are in, Matt. And, you know, they're pontificating, they're saying this and that. Donald Trump is unpredictable. We don't know what he's going to do on a day-to-day basis. The only things that we can predict that he's gonna tweet, you know, he's gonna say something that probably will sound unpresidential or unstatesmanlike, but looking at issues like Obamacare and other things, we don't know what's going to happen, and everybody's speculating. It sometimes it'll just drive you insane because they don't really know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, I was reading a column in National Review earlier this morning, where a bit too hawkish for my taste, but it was talking about what we ought to do about North Korea's nuclear program. And well-informed, generally knowledgeable piece on the subject. And he was—it was essentially President Trump should do this, 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 and this on North <laughs> Co- Korean disarmament policy. And he just sit up and you go, "What the hell is Donald Trump going to do on North Korean disarmament policy? Right. We don't know what he's going to do on you know the Supreme Court, let alone." On that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. A, there's a big question mark lurking over a lot of these areas of policy going forward. We, it's, it's, he's an enigma right now. Um, and I think the real question, and, and what I'm curious about, is how is this going to manifest itself in terms of its his relationship with Republican Congress, right. because Donald Trump wants a big spending initiative on infrastructure. Paul Ryan and the fiscal conservatives in Congress absolutely do not. Donald Trump wants to spend more on the military. There is a I think very vocal segment of the House and even the Senate—that's going to be opposed to that. Maybe enough to stop him. Um, There's all kinds of um, departures here. How far is is Donald Trump going to be willing to go far enough on Obamacare in turn for the Republican Congress? You could quickly end up with a situation where um, you have kind of an intra-republican civil war between the executive and the legislature, cemented by the fact that I don't know if you saw this. Donald Trump came out over the weekend and said, "I think I trust Chuck Schumer." More than anybody else in in Congress right now, more That's than the Republican good. leadership, and everybody's <laughs> jaws just kind of dropped. And I mean, in the end, you get that a little bit. Schumer is a, a New York guy; they grew right. up in similar parts of the war. In the I think they actually both grew up in Queens. Schumer's from Queens. Uh, you understand that a little bit, but at the same time, damn, that is not political tactician at all. That is no. something else. Well, so. that,
0: that goes into what I'm saying about well, you don't know what's going to happen. So you know, conventionally, typically. If you have a Republican president and a Republican Congress, you would expect that some Republican things would get done. Same with Democrats. Um, we, what kind of Republican is this? So you have you know, many in Congress who don't want big spending, and the Republican president is already promising $1 trillion in infrastructure spending. As he hires his budget director, Mick Mulvaney, who's one of the biggest budget cutters or fiscal hawks in Washington, what does that look like? They're not on the same page. We saw here just today, we see this thing where some of the House Republicans are wanting to get rid of or diminish or weaken some of the ethics rules that they have to put up with. And you have the incoming Republican president here in a few short weeks tweeting at them, oh, that's awful, You you don't do that. I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this before. I don't know that, I'm not saying that Obama's completely in line with what his party already wanted, always wants, or George W. Bush was always in line with the Democrats, but Trump is sometimes, depending on how you want to define it, barely a Republican in any conventional sense, and what does that look like with a more conventionally Republican Congress? I don't know.
1: And he's clearly not afraid to take on his own party, no. as that which could be good or the, bad. the ethics office proved, which by the way, can we just say, that was such a colossal blunder on Republicans' part. I understand the thinking behind it. They've hated the uh, the Independent Ethics Office forever. They want it all to go through the Ethics Committee, which is comprised, conveniently enough, of them. Um, right. they, they hate the fact that the Ethics Office can release information even if the Ethics Committee doesn't approve it, so they wanted to bring it under the aegis of the Ethics Committee. Nevertheless, you're, you're talking about an election in which people were rip roaring mad at Washington, right. and fury against the political class was the real currency that that drove people to the the, the ballot box. And the, for one of the first things you do is you're going to scrap the congressional ethics office. Are it's you kidding me? It's bad PR. If it else. is it is horrible PR. And Donald Trump ends up crashing in and looking like the adult in the situation. Very, I thought very gently and, and very. Um, Classily on Twitter, telling them, No, guys, take a sure. step back. We want to focus on policy. He comes out smelling great. They end up looking like they're corrupt and they end up scrapping it in the long run anyway. So, that, that first of all, that shows you Trump is not afraid to stand up to his own party. And I bet he's going to continue to do so going forward. You know, he didn't consult, you know, Sean Spicer or Reince Priebus right. or anybody before he sent that tweet out. He saw it and he reacted, and his reaction was correct. Maybe on more serious issues when he's not correct, it could pose a problem. But, you know, there it is. Um, and it also shows, too, there may be some drain the swamp left in him yet. You know, the average American who looks at Congress and sees them trying to scrap the ethics office thinks this is an abomination. This is the exact opposite of what we sent them for. They're not familiar with the arcane internal wheels that are turning there, you know, how the ethics office has actually affected Congress. Trump is in that camp. Right. You know, He didn't study this this issue. He just went, this is ridiculous. And so... And so they, um, you know, they, they, they killed that plan. Um, I, maybe maybe he'll be a force against corruption in this city yet. We'll That's see. the
0: thing. It could go either way, and it depends on your perspective and what you think is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it could be a great thing that Trump is willing to stand up to his own party and a majority in Congress of his own party. And if he wants to do something that we think is a bad idea, it could be really awful that he could do that. What does it look like, even going back to the election, with him and Paul Ryan, even Paul Ryan after he endorsed Trump, you can tell he barely wanted to do it. He even said at a press conference, I'm not going to answer for what this guy tweets about all day. Well, that guy's the president of the United States now, and he's in your own party. What's that going to look like with Paul Ryan, you know, leading the Republicans in the House, and what's going on in the Senate? I don't know. I don't think anybody else out there writing about politics for a living knows, but it's probably going to be one of the most interesting things we've seen in modern American politics and a partly excited about it, and I partly fear it, and that goes back to that great unknown. We just don't know what he's going
1: to do. I would say the first thing that they should unite on and get together on, and there's going to be real consensus on this, is regulations. I think I don't believe a lot of what Trump said during the campaign. I think he was serious about that, because I guarantee you every single one of his wealthy friends was whispering that in his Uh ear. So I, I think they're on the same page there. They need to come together. First, what you need to do is is go to the agencies themselves and tell them this is your mission and you're scaling back. Make sure you populate them with civil servants that are willing to do that. Um, you know, specifically target the really harmful regulations, roll back Obama's 11th hour sudden regulatory package right. on oil and natural gas that he's now trying to shove through, uh, and, re- and really ease the load on businesses. You talk to businesses out there, I've heard this from multiple people, more so than taxes, they are, they've had it with regulations right now. It's really burdensome for it's them. too much. Uh, You've got to do something about that, and I, I hope that Trump and, and Congress will. And then after that, once they're done with that, pass the RAINS Act, which will require any future regulations going forward to, to go through Congress, you know, to get a congressional vote, at least a lot of them, deregulate and then require in order to reverse that process, make it much harder, give Congress a say. Uh, these are things I think that Trump and, and, and uh, the Republican Congress had both supported during the campaign. Um, I think maybe they even ought to tackle that before Obamacare, because Obamacare is going to be a headache. It's going to be a giant mess. Sure. Whatever they try to do, it's going to have immediate Impacts on people's lives in terms of some people might lose their insurance. Um, that's not to say they won't find it again, but it's really going to be, you know, to, to extricate. Uh, Obamacare from the massively complex healthcare sector and 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 disentangle it is going to be very difficult. Pass something a little bit easier like regulatory reform. First. That
0: might be a good first focus, especially for somebody who promised to bring back jobs in some ways that you know many of us can't really envision jobs that you know might not ever come back. So different manufacturing jobs, but having that focus, it will be interesting. You know, Donald Trump, if nothing else. He could, you know, he could be a big special interest, big lobbyist type president, but at the same time, none of those people really helped him become elected. And his thing was, I'm, you know, I'm a businessman, I know, I'm going to target these regulations that are hurting businesses. Why are all those regulations there? Why are all these different things there that are hurting businesses? Because of lobbying interests. And Republican, a conventional Republican president would be susceptible to that, and a conventional Democrat uh, president, or in Congress, would be susceptible to that. Will Donald Trump be susceptible to that? He might, but he might not. I think there's probably a better argument that a candidate or soon-to-be president like him might be more free to do what he likes than anybody that's been in
1: that position in many, many years. My concern with Trump is that he's going to be a selfishly... opportunistic populist, let's just say. He knows that he has the power of populism on his side. He knows that he can stir up a Twitter storm. Who has he done uh, that against so far? Boeing with the F-35. GM uh, yesterday about, you know, sending jobs to Mexico and so forth, carrier uh, air conditioning systems. Uh, We can debate the merits of each of these programs all we want. I'm actually glad he called out Boeing, but it, it seems like he's targeting companies thus far that either cross him in some way or cross his business interests in some way. Right. And that's what I'm worried about is that he's going to use the masses in order to enrich himself and further his own aims. Uh, even talking about something like Russia, I think it's high time we had another round of, of diplomacy with Russia. I think the re- one of the reasons Vladimir Putin has been turned off is first we invaded Iraq over his wishes, then we were ushering nations into NATO, then we were you know antagonizing him over and over again. Um, I, I think he wants to hear from the United States. I think we should respond to him. But You also have to consider that um, the Trump Foundation and some of Trump's other enterprises have Significant interests over in Russia, investments over in Russia, disproportionate, as Trump has said. Um, these are all concerns. And the question of to what extent does the personal run into the the political and the policy-wise is going to be an interesting one here. It really is. And I think we're going to see a lot of this play out
0: in the confirmation hearing. Somebody like Rex Tillerson, who's had close ties with Putin, you know, as a businessman, which is part of the reason Donald Trump picked him, and how that relates to Trump's businesses and all that. It's going to be very interesting, and uh, like I said, it's going to be unlike anything we've seen. That I, I just don't know anything. I keep saying modern politics. I would have, have to go back in history and look at what happened a hundred or two hundred years ago to find anything that sort of correlates with this. Going back to something that you said a, a little while ago, Matt. And we talked about this before we started the podcast. You talked about Obama sort of laying on all these extra regulations as it, you know we come down to the wire with him being his president. Is he throwing a hissy fit right now? Is he so sort of pissed off because, I mean, let's face it, Donald Trump being elected sort of does leave a black mark on his legacy somewhat. It does tarnish it a little bit uh, because the result of eight years of Barack Obama is the country was fed up with all sorts of different things and gave us Donald Trump. Uh, Barack Obama, if nothing else, has sort of long had a cool head. He's had a demeanor about him that he's the adult in the room, uh, he's the mature one, he's going to be the statesman. Whether you agree or disagree with that, that's what he's tried to do, and that's what many people have perceived. Are we now seeing a different Barack Obama, who's just sort of fed up with everything and on his way out the door, Is sort of being a little bit more childish than we're used to in, in the way he's behaving? I mean, am, am I wrong to perceive that a little bit?
1: I think Obama's behavior has followed that of the political class generally so far, which was I would agree at with first there was self, there was shell shock, there was genuine introspection. I, I can't even begin to um, explicate how, what a class act I thought he was right after the election happened. He told Hillary Clinton, get up on that stage and concede, this is bad for the Republic. He welcomed Donald Trump to the White House. He advised him, he helped right. him to the point that Trump came out gushing about what a great president he had been. and. Just in, in, you know, concurrent to the political class, taking a good hard look at itself and saying, my God, what have we done? How did this happen? We ignored the white working class. Then there was this kind of return to denial. I think Mm -hmm. I I think not a not denial necessarily that's the wrong word but obstinance Um, Obama figures if he's going out and if Trump is coming in he's going to make it as difficult as possible for him on Russia by putting the those frankly useless sanctions in place that are not going to accomplish anything except muddy relations between us and them Uh, between these regulations that he probably has to figure are going to get repealed or at least a lot of them are. And it's very, I I, I think he's found his spine again, so to speak. And I think he's a little bit more defiant than he was before. This has to be very hard for Obama. Uh, I don't like him. I don't think he's been a good president. But if you've been there all this time, if you've put in place some really historic reforms, first among them Obamacare, uh, if you've really implemented Something of a sea change in foreign policy. I would argue not as much as a lot of people think. But but there's definitely been a little bit of a change in direction. And somebody comes in who threatens to undermine a good chunk of that. I I wouldn't want to find myself in that position. I wouldn't trade my shoes with Barack Obama's for anything right now. I think this has got to be very hard for him.
0: I I think so as well. And, uh, you know, I didn't try to inflate or conflate the the idea that he was being, you know, just behaving like a baby. But I do think I see hints of that or whatever you want to call it. I don't think he's happy. Obviously nobody in the Democratic Party is happy that Donald Trump's going to be president. But for him, some of the things he's achieved, whether you like him or not, the last eight years, perceptions of him, that's got to be a hard thing to swallow, Donald Trump coming in. I think we've seen it manifest itself in some of the things he's done, the regulations, sanctions on Russia. And I'm curious in those last you know, this final
1: stretch, if there's anything else like that we might see, I predict we will. Um, I think it's a greater Democratic Party problem it goes well beyond Obama and right you know Obama's going to be gone he's I, I suspect he's going to melt away a little bit he's not going to be one of these presidents like he's Bill to Clinton stay. who stays perpetually involved <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of guys you know holding signs outside our building who seem to think the same thing too um, you know there's a lot of you know paranoia among conservatives that he's actually not going to go anywhere I think he is going to melt away I it, but the Democrats uh, today reelected Nancy Pelosi to be their. A minority later in the house, and they seem to have all reached the sudden Conclusion that they're all going to be living under Russian occupation for the next four years and just behaving <laughs> Histrionically on Twitter calling right. everybody who disagrees with them. They're guilty of treason if you voted for Trump and Trump is a Russian Patsy all this nonsense that's completely unsupported by the intel out there um, If this is how the Democratic Party is going to react If they're not going to take a good, hard look at themselves, Republicans, frankly, need to, too. But if Democrats especially don't take a good, hard look at themselves and try to figure out what went wrong here and how Donald Trump could possibly beat one of their own, then they're not. And they fall back on convenient villains like Vladimir Putin and, you know, the the warm bathwater of ideology. If, If they do that, then... They're not going to win in 2018, and they're not going to win in 2020. No, that's that's nowhere. That's completely nominate ridiculous. Elizabeth Warren by all means. Let's see how it turns out. <laughs> right, it's
0: something they have to do something different for everybody now listening. I'm saying sarcastically. Wow. Like there's
1: not, there's not there's a prayer in hell. She's going to win the presidency. For everybody listening right now, you should know
0: that uh, uh, Matt Purple is reading from a script provided by Russia. This is all propaganda. It <laughs> uh, has nothing to do with reality. But
1: it's uh, <laughs> actually the Cyrillic alphabet right. on our teleprompter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just, just have to be full disclosure there, but uh, it's going to be interesting, folks. We appreciate you being with us today. It is a new year and a new president-elect. He's going to be the actual president soon, and it's going to be a wild ride, but we'll talk to you next time. I'm going to go ride a, a horse shirtless, and uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs>